MC Rulio with the Munich Putsch. Okay, so here we are, we're looking at the Munich Putsch, and it's the November the 8th, 1920, well it's not November the 8th, 1923 now, um, of course this would be quite an impressive podcast, wouldn't it, if that was the case, no, no, the Munich Putsch happened on November the 8th, 1923, the middle of the hyperinflation crisis. Now remember, Putsch means a right-wing rebellion. Okay, so here we go. The man in charge of Bavaria uh, was a chap called Von Kahr. <laughs> Von Kahr, now don't say that quickly. Um, he, he, was, he was in charge of Bavaria. Bavaria was one of the German states. Remember I said that Germany was a bit like the USA made up of different states. Now Von Kahr had some pals. Von Seiser, who was the head of the police, and Von Losso, who was the head of the army. And they were very important people within Bavaria. And word had it that they actually were a bit fed up with the Weimar government themselves. And so Hitler thought, well, I know, they probably want to join in my putsch then, don't they? Only the thing was, they weren't too keen. So, unperturbed by this, Hitler decided he would force them to join his putsch. Now, on the 8th of November 1923, von Kahr and his friends were having a meeting in the Burgerbrau Keller, which was a beer hall in Munich. Hence, this Munich putsch is also known as the beer hall putsch, because it starts in a beer hall. Um, Hitler bursts into the meeting with 600 of his SA. He fired two shots into the air, and he shouted, The national revolution has begun. And he declared himself in charge of Bavaria. And he then said that he was going to go on and take over the rest of Germany. Now, at first, as you can imagine, you're having a little meeting. Lunatic, with a dodgy moustache, walks in and shoots uh, a firearm. You can imagine that Von Kahr was a little bit nervous, to say the least, and he wasn't too sure about joining Hitler. But uh, Hitler asked him to go into a back room with him, and he could talk with him there, where he threatened Von Kahr and told him that he'd shoot him if he didn't go along with his push. So you can imagine Von Kahr probably was, well, um, persuaded, shall we say. Uh, also in Hitler's favour, he had the support of General Ludendorff. General Ludendorff was an old war hero, and there's nothing to get the right-wing people going more than that an old war hero. So, Hitler gets the putsch off to a start. However, that evening, Ernst Röhm and the SA were meant to be capturing radio stations in important buildings around the city. Um, now, they didn't manage to capture all of their targets. And Ludendorff had a bit of a shocker. He scored no goal here. He let von Kahr, von Seisser and von Losso escape. And they went off and phoned the authorities. He trusted them. He didn't think they would do that. But it turns out he was a bit of an idiot. And uh, they went and notified the authorities that the putsch was happening. And they did not support it. Uh-oh. Now, Hitler decides that if Ernstrom hasn't captured these targets, the putsch is still going to go ahead. And he decides to march through Munich and meet up with Ernstrom and go on a massive march around Munich, thinking that like the Pied Piper of Munich, the German people are going to come rushing out their houses going, oh look, is that Hitler man? Yes, look, what a lovely moustache. I'm going to follow him now. We are going to join the porch. Yeah, yeah. Um, sadly, Hitler, that doesn't happen. And most Germans actually uh, lock their doors and peer out the curtains and go, oh, who's that strange man? Oh, I don't want to be a part of that. Thank you very much. Um, and he misjudges the public support. It doesn't work out well. Now he's got 3,000 supporters that march through the city, and he's got 2,000 rifles. Work that one out. One between two children. Well, not quite. Um, and he marches through the streets of Munich, 
and comes face to face with the German police, who open fire on him. Uh, now his bodyguard throws himself in front of Hitler and actually takes a few bullets. And uh, there is an argument for saying, isn't there? Why bother, mate? But that's what he did. Goering was shot in the thigh, and 16 Nazis were killed. Ludendorff was arrested, and Hitler, well, he was a big, brave chap, wasn't he? So he ran away like a little girl and hid in a friend's house. He was later arrested there. So, why did the putsch fail? Well, three reasons. Firstly, it's poorly planned. It's a little bit amateurish. Secondly, he misjudged the public support. He thought the German people were more in, in favour of him than they actually were. And number three, they'd allowed von Kahr, etc. to go and he'd have gone and warned the authorities. Big, big error. So, was the putsch a disaster? Well, in one sense, yes. Number one, well, it showed that the Nazis lacked public support. They did not have the popular support that they thought they did have. Number two, it exposed the amateur element of the party organisation. They did not have a sufficient structure in place to become a, a, a state or even a, a national government at that time. Hitler himself had been hurt. Number four, Hitler had been imprisoned. And this was a real weakness, clearly, for the party, because it, what it meant was that they lacked leadership. There was a chance the party could fall apart whilst he was in prison. Number five, well, just frankly, it didn't work. And this was quite humiliating, as you could imagine. And, well, the sixth reason is that actually the NSDAP, the Nazis, were banned after this. So, um, not particularly good news. So, um, that's the yes, it was a failure section. Like a good historian, I look at both sides, of course. And I'm going to look at the other side now, the no, it was not a disaster section. And here we go. Firstly, the trial gained Hitler massive publicity. He used the opportunity to make speeches, and these were obviously reported in newspapers across the country. And people who'd never heard of Hitler suddenly heard about him, but also heard his persuasive speaking, his very persuasive, emotive style. And this persuaded some people, actually, to support him. And he gained some sympathy for his actions. He presented himself as someone who was campaigning on behalf of the freedoms of German people, rather than someone who was actually looking to restrict their freedoms. Now, Hitler could have been sentenced to death, but in fact he only got five years as his sentence, with parole after nine months. Well, that just shows you how right-wing the judges were. And he was also given his sentence in Landsberg Prison, which was the comfiest, cushiest prison of the day. He had flowers, and his secretary was allowed in his room, and all sorts of stuff. Um, his secretary was a man, so don't get any ideas. Number three, he wrote Mein Kampf while he was in prison. And uh, that book, obviously, was a way that he could then communicate his ideas to the German public. And number four, he changed his ideas. Absolutely fundamental. He decided that the Nazis should not seek to take power through force, and that they should instead seek to take power through elections. Um, as you can imagine, Ernst Röhm didn't quite see it that way, seeing as he was committed to taking power through force. Um, but that was the decision that Hitler made. And ultimately, although the Nazis had been banned, they didn't really enforce the ban very much. The Nazis carried on meeting, and by 1925, the ban was lifted. Good ban. So, summary. Um, the putsch did not succeed, but it was not a complete failure. There's that phrase, isn't there? Every cloud had a has a silver lining. Well, certainly this was a big cloud for the Nazis, but there was some silver lining in there as well. 
the decision to take power through elections was absolutely critical. Okay, so, um, thank you very much. That's the Munich Putsch. And um, I think probably I shall go on to look at what happened after the Munich Putsch when Hitler came out of prison in my next podcast. So tune in. Be there or be square, as they say. Okay, goodbye.